let's turn to the scriptures again. Mark chapter 4. We're just looking at verses 21 to 25. 21 to 25. I read from verse 1 earlier on because it really gives us um, a, back, a backdrop to what we're looking at tonight which is the light of God's word. Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through to 25. Okay, let's read those verses. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear, shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that have not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. As you can see there, today's passage, short passage, it's uh, more teaching in parables. For example, looking at verse 21 there, it speaks of earthly things such as a candle or a lamp, a bushel and a bed. Bushel means measure. And And in verse 21, it refers to a basket which is capable of holding a certain amount. This passage serves as an addition and an application for the previous passage, the the parable of the soils, the parable of the sower. We looked at that, I don't know when it was, several weeks ago now, and this really serves as a further application to it. Where do you put light? Look at verse 21 again. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick. Can you imagine uh, a situation where you have a lamp to light up a, a dark room and what you do with your lamp or candlestick, got candlestick in the King James Version, candlestick or lamp, take it in your room and you put it underneath an upturned, an overturned basket or a bed in a dark room. Obviously, if it's a candle, it wouldn't be a good idea anyway because um, you'd need the fire brigade, wouldn't you? It would be a very foolish thing to do. But it would be silly anyway, wouldn't it? Having let's, let's, Whether it's a candlestick or a lamp, the idea is you're bringing light into the room. And, and then to put that light under a basket or under your bed would be extremely ridiculous. The light would be on, but it would be no good to you at all. And if you really want to look into it, back to that candle again, if you put it under a basket, well, I, I guess light, um, oxygen would still get to it, but it could snuff it out, couldn't it? 
You would not be able to see the nice things in your room if you did that, if you hid the light. For example, let's see now, what have I got in my bedroom? I've got a lovely picture on the on my bedroom wall that shows me posing with my beautiful bride 20 years ago on the day of our wedding. I like to look at that. I come into our bedroom and I, that's the first thing I see, that picture on the wall of Pauline and me on our wedding day. I wouldn't be able to see that in a dark room. No good to me. So I wouldn't want to put the light under my bed. As for a basket, to give you another illustration, if I had a basket in my living room. What I like to see in my living room, one of the things I like to see are the paintings on the wall. My brother, who's been dead for quite some years now, he was a very gifted artist. And uh, he produced some lovely paintings, amongst other things. And I've got some of his paintings on my wall. And I like to look at those paintings. He is gone, but his paintings, they live on. And I've got two of them in my living room. Be no good to me if I put the light underneath a basket in my living room, would it? Again, it would be very stupid. So you don't want to hide the nice things, do you? But what about the not-so-nice things? If your lamp was under a bushel or a bed, your windows, they might be filthy. You wouldn't, know, you wouldn't even know it, would you? Because it would be dark in the room. You wouldn't have a clue that your windows need to be cleaned. Your carpet, it might be thick with dog hair if you possess a dog. And if there's no light in the house and you've got a carpet, filthy carpet, you wouldn't know it. Mind you, your attitude might be out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, I think we do have that attitude quite a lot to various things. Out of sight, out of mind. And we can bury our heads in the sand right up to our ankles. We're very good at that. I'm sure we all do that at times. However, all said and done, light is desirable and it is necessary. Putting a lamp under a basket or a bed would be extremely foolish. And something that only Mr. Silly from the Mr. Men you'd expect to do. In the Bible, what does light refer to? What does light, when you think of light and the Bible, what does light refer to? For me, it, uh, I think straight away of uh, two things. The light of God's word, the scriptures. We saw earlier on, the entrance of thy light uh, giveth, the entrance of thy word giveth light, giveth understanding to the simple. So light, it speaks of the word of God. But ultimately, what else does the light speak of in the scriptures? The Lord Jesus Christ himself. The one who said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. This morning, uh, we looked at Jesus saying, I am, didn't we? When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, I am. When the 
the, the soldiers said that they were looking for Jesus of Nazareth and he said, I am or I am he. And they all fell back. But when, and I said that you really need to look at things in their context because I am, you can find that in literally hundreds of places in the Bible spoken both by Jesus and by others. You say I am, I say I am. It needn't really mean anything more than just that. I am, I'm going to go home after this service or whatever. You need to look at context. And when you look at the context of Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of the light, light of life. You don't automatically seize on those words, I am, and say, oh, Jesus is saying I am the, the, the eternal son of God there. But you look at the whole sentence. Who else would say, I am the light of the world? Would anyone in here say that? He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. This is one of the I am statements of Jesus. And when you look at those statements as a whole and you just think about it, who other than Jesus could make those statements? Nobody. Nobody. No angels in heaven. No, none of us. No human being. And it speaks of Jesus, the light of the world, being the, the almighty God. Jehovah Jesus. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3 speak, uh, tells us that on the first day of creation, God said, let there be light, and there was light. I think we all know that, uh, even if we don't quite remember everything else on the, the, the order of things on, on creation, and there is order to it, by the way, the six days of creation, you can see some very definite order there. But even if you forget most of that, I think most of, if not all of you, will know that the first thing God said is, let there be light. And there was light, yeah? That's in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. Well, then when you come to the New Testament, to the letters of the Apostle Paul, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul, who was a creationist, uh, not an evolutionist, the Apostle Paul, he quoted Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. And he used it to illustrate how God, who commanded the light to come out of darkness, have shined in men's hearts to give them the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love putting those two things together as the Apostle Paul did the first day of creation when God made the light shine out of darkness and then all those years later however long it was the Apostle said that uh, God has made the light of the glory of God, uh, the glory of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ shine in your hearts speaking to Christians of course and you see that even creation itself is an illustration of God making the light of Jesus shine in sin-darkened hearts. That's how important it is. The new birth. And we, our last hymn that we sung, you know, that beautiful hymn, And Can It Be? 
Let me just read verse 4 to you again. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. His spirit was in nature's night. In other words, his heart was dark because of sin. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. This is what Charles Wesley said. It's a testimony from Charles Wesley, the hymn writer. And that's how it is for those who come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. He's not talking literally there. Uh, he wasn't in a, a literal dungeon. It was his the condition he was in. Dead in trespasses and sins. Until God said, let there be light. And the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ shone in his heart. Therefore, God lights up sin-darkened hearts with none other than his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is the light of the world. And God does this through his word, the Bible. For example, we, we looked at it earlier on in Psalm 119 verse 105. The psalmist said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sounds to me that he's speaking obviously as a man of God and this is his daily testimony and he is led, he, he's guided by God's word. And this is how it should be for all Christians, all of you here who belong to Jesus, all of you for whom the light of Jesus has shone in your hearts. Day by day you meditate upon the word of God and that word that you you, you read and uh, you take into you, it's a light unto your feet, a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. And then the psalmist went on to say, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And that takes me back to Charles Wesley's hymn there. The dungeon flame with fire. That day when you first believe in Jesus. What a wonderful day. There's not a day like it. Having your heart enlightened or illumined with spiritual light means receiving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing him. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is what Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father, for his apostles and for Christians generally. It's about knowing Jesus and knowing him more and more. And you know Jesus more and more and more as you read his word. And you and the word of Christ, it richly dwells in you. Otherwise, it's a very superficial knowledge at best that you have of Jesus. Unless you are someone who is regularly immersing yourself in the word of God. 
and not just flicking through the pages or reading the thought for the day. It's about receiving the knowledge of Jesus and his gospel and if that light is savingly received into the deepest and darkest crevices of your sin-darkened heart instead of being rejected, because this is what happens with the vast majority of the people in the world, the word of God, it just bounces off them or it goes in one ear and out the other. But if it goes into the heart... So much so that Jesus shines in your heart and his gospel deep in the darkest crevices of your heart. Then what that means for you is that God has lifted you out of the devil's dark domain. And he has placed you into the everlasting kingdom of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith. Jesus now reigns in your heart. You'll certainly know if that has happened to you. You'll know what I'm, you'll, you'll relate to what I'm talking to now. Others may think I'm just absolutely nuts. But those of you who know Jesus will know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there and it's a daily reality for you. From the day that you first Receive Jesus when that light shone in your heart and it's still shining now, each and every day. And you feed that light that uh, when you read the, the, the word of God. And perhaps you read some verses in the scripture that you've read many times over. And yet God speaks to you anew when you read those same verses. And at then that time, it's now the time where God takes you a little bit deeper into that verse or those verses and you think, wow, and um, this is the word of God, the light that is spoken of. An obvious question must surely be, why would anyone be foolish enough to put the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ under a bushel or under a bed? When to have that light is to have everlasting life. Why would you do that? Why would you hide that light? To answer that, let us remember that light doesn't just reveal the nice things. It reveals the horrible things as well, doesn't it? And that's the problem. That the light exposes the things that we do not want to see. The light of God's word, it reveals God in all his holiness. But it also exposes us in all our sinfulness. It it shows that complete contrast between God and us. The, the, The word of God, it's like a mirror. You look at that mirror... And what do you see? You don't just see the outside. When you look at the word of God, it lights up your heart and you see all the horrible stuff. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15, he said, from the heart proceeds murders. Any murderers in here? 
according to Jesus, if you look at someone um, with hate in your heart for them, you've murdered them in a sense. Obviously, it's not the same as sticking a knife in, but those murderous thoughts in your heart, angry thoughts towards people, murders, adulteries, you look at someone with lust in your eyes, you're an adulterer. Murders, adulteries, idolatry. There's not a person in here who is not an idolater. We all worship things above God. We all covet things, which uh, the things of this world, at times more so than we covet God. You know, for many of us, let's face it, Christianity, church, it's uh, when you tot it all up, work it out, maybe a two, three hours on Sunday. If you come to the meetings on Wednesday, it's another hour. Maybe a five-minute read in the morning, ten-minute read, whatever it is you do, I don't know. Add it all up. Compare that to the time you spend on social media. And the other things that you do. We all have our idols. And Jesus goes on. Explaining what proceeds from the heart. And that is what makes man unclean. His filthy heart. As the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said in John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We're told in the prophecy of Isaiah that men hid, as it were, their faces from him. He is despised and rejected of men. Why is it that men hid their faces from him? And you can put that into the present tense. Why is it that Jesus is despised and rejected by men? Why is it that people hide their faces from him? Because he is holy. And they are sinful, wretched People who love their sins. Take him away from me. I don't want Jesus. I don't want to hear about the forgiveness of sins. I want to cling to my sins. I like it. This is the attitude of the world. This is the attitude of the the land that we live in here. Doing things that are overtly against the word of God, enacting laws. Our leaders are enacting laws which are in stark opposition of God's commandments. From the least to the greatest, people say, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us, speaking of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rebellion against God the world over because this is a world that is in love with sin. And the light 
He's come into the world, Jesus that is. Men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. They hate Jesus because their deeds were evil. Let's have a look at verse 22 in Mark chapter 4. For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. The day will surely come when the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, will no longer be hidden under a bushel or under a bed. People do it now. But the day will come when Jesus will return. He has promised he will come again. He will return. And as it is written in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, every eye shall see him. Every eye shall see Jesus when he comes again. Even those who have hid, as it were, their faces from him, they shall see Jesus when he comes again. And what will happen when Jesus comes again? When the light of the world returns? When that day comes, no longer will people hide the gospel of Christ under a bushel or a bed as they live their lives in rebellion to their maker, almighty God. Instead, they will be the ones trying and failing to hide from God. Instead of hiding God under a bed or under a bushel, they will be the ones trying to hide from the God and from the Son of God. On that day, they will say to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Will that be you on that day? If Jesus was to come now, would you be taking cover under your seat, trying to hide from God? Because it won't work. And on that day, all who have suppressed the truth and have hidden the word of God under a bushel or a bed or whatever will stand before the judgment seat of Christ as they have their lives played back to them in every sinful detail. I squirm as I say that. If my life was played back in every sinful detail... I would be so utterly ashamed. Who will be able to endure that day when Jesus comes again? In the language of the parable of the sower, it will be those whose hearts have God's word of truth sown into them and they have brought forth fruit in their lives And in the language of today's parable, it is those whose hearts have been illumined by the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are people who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and consequently they have lived their lives for the glory of God. It's In other words, it's not just a, a testimony of when you came to faith. This is something I was thinking about yesterday when I was cutting the grass um, for many people it's all a, they, they go back 10, 20 years to that testimony that conversion testimony that is important it is important 
It's so important that you can read the Apostle Paul's conversion testimony, not once, not twice, but three times in Acts of the Apostles. So there's no denying it's important. But what is important for you now is your testimony of your walk with Jesus today. And then tomorrow, until he comes again, or, or, or whatever, till he calls you. How you are living for Jesus and for his glory, and not just um, building an empire for yourself in this world which is so temporal, building up things which you cannot take with you. If you were to get hit by a bus today, or whatever, you'd leave it all behind. Let's have a look at verses 24 and 25. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear, with what measure ye meet. It shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that have, to him shall be given. And he that have not from him shall be taken even that which he have. The phrase that we see there, with what measure ye meet or measure out, it shall be measured to you. It's a, it's a familiar one. We see it in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 2 and in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 as well as here in Mark chapter 2, uh, sorry, Mark 4, verse 24. But in each case, the context is different. So I'll say it again. We've got that, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. We've got that phrase in Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel, and here in Mark's gospel, but they don't all mean the same thing. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 2, it's used as a warning against judging others. You can expect to be judged according to your judgment of others. We need to be very careful. That doesn't mean zipping it and never saying anything. You know, as a Christian, I appreciate it when other Christians, uh, they, they, they rebuke me. And they, they show me when I'm going off the, off the, um, narrow path. We need that. We all need that. But we need to be very careful about judging one another. There is a difference. One is done in love, and the other is done in a Pharisaic sort of way. And then in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, it's about being blessed by God. When you are merciful to others, it's a real blessing. You, it's a, it's, it's a great blessing to, to, to actually spend time with others. Whoever they might be. And again, uh, you know, it's, I'm not talking about your little circle of friends, your family. Big deal. It's so easy to spend time with your best mates or with your family. It goes beyond that. That's the challenge. And um, again I say, being blessed by God when you are merciful to others, that is Luke's gospel. That's the measure you meet out shall be measured unto you. The challenge for all of us here who belong to Jesus.
However, in the present context, this phrase is about receiving and responding to gospel light or the word of God. You are being told in these verses to pay close attention, to listen very carefully to the word of God which is preached here. And it does seem that by and large, people are listening to what I'm saying. Don't shut your eyes to the gospel light that is being disseminated. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. When the word of God is being preached... There is a basic principle being presented to you in verses 24 and 25 and that is that the more of God's precious truth that you receive and you inwardly digest and you act upon, you actually do something about what you hear, the more will be given to you. And that started with me, I've said this many times, Um, this is a, a relevant testimony of the past before I became a Christian, when I first acknowledge God, you know, I was in my 30s at the time, 36 years old I think I was. When I first acknowledged the reality of God, I couldn't stop there. I'm inclined to say that someone who does that, who who would acknowledge God and not take it any further, really is a fool. How can you? So you find out that there's God, you read as I did, you, you immerse yourself in the scriptures and God who said, who made the light shine out of the darkness, he shone in my heart to give me the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God, I've made that leap from acknowledging God to trusting in Jesus and putting him before anyone and anything else. That was then, and nothing has changed, by the grace of God. How can you not act upon it? You hear the word of God being preached, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to hear it, take it in, and do something about it, especially the cross. It requires obedience hearing the gospel and being obedient to the gospel message. And the message is very simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And this takes us back to the parable of the sower. Are you one whose heart receives the word of God and as a consequence there is in your life Fruit, 30 times, 60 times, 100 times, which was sown. Multiplying. Is it multiplied? You hear God's word and God, he blesses you with his, um, because this word is the word of God. It's not the novel, it's not the newspaper, it's the word of God. You read the word of God, you hear the preaching and God blesses you with his word. His truth with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the living word and he is the truth. Or in the language of today's passage is the light of the word, uh, the, sorry, the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
shining brightly in your heart? And are you living your life for his glory, having trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins? To you, more oil will be given to burn in your lamp. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear, and more shall be given. However, if you are not willing to part company with your sin, and your heart is shut up to the word of God, your eyes are closed to that gospel light, then then what light you have will be taken from you. And all that will remain is a fearful expectation of eternal damnation. May the God of mercy open our hearts, each one of us here, to attend unto the gospel of Christ for our eternal good and most of all for the glory of God. Amen.